And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. Who's that strange-looking man behind you? That's Carl. I met him at the laundromat. Sam Spade Detective Agency. Sam, sweetheart. I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger. Uh, this is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Hello everyone, I'm Carl Amari and this is Hollywood 360. This time it's the conclusion to Archie Andrews, then the story of Dr. Kildare. But right now, let's tune in to the conclusion of Archie Andrews with the new TV set. So your Howdy Doody, Milton Berle, and Kukla Fran and Ollie, not to mention Tui 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 Tui. But I was watching a travelogue on India and I want to watch it some more, if you don't mind. I don't mind. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll even stay and watch it with you. All right, Jughead. You may stay and watch it with us, but... If I better call my mother and tell her where I am, though. Oh, fine. All right, Jughead. Go call your mother. Okay. Boy, I'm sure glad you folks got a television set. Mary, I can see a television set has certain disadvantages. Riverdale 689, please. Gee whiz, Dad. Turn the set on before we miss the whole thing. I am, Archie. I am. And so we come to Bombay. Chief seaport of Western India. Hello? Mom? A city with what? a population of one I can't and a half you. million people. Speak a little louder. Situated on the island of Bombay. Louder! It is louder! To the mainland by this causeway. I still can't and hear you. Just a minute, Mom. Bombay contains many of the Fred, Jughead's calling you. Me? Factories. What is it, Jughead? Uh, could you turn the set off for a minute? I can't hear anything. What? Turn no, set off. No, yeah, but Jughead, I'm Fred, watching... turn it off for one minute. Oh, me. All right, Mary, I'll turn it off for one minute. Cried. Thanks, Mr. Andrews. Jughead, you're welcome. But I'd like to know why I can't Fred, watch this. Jughead will be through with his call in a minute. Then you can watch your travelogue. Call, oh, Mom. This is me, Jughead. <sighs> yeah, Mike Andrews. I'm watching television. Yeah, television. Yeah, they just got a new set. What? I don't know where they got all their money. Oh, fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be here for a little while. Yeah. Okay, I will. Bye. Well, Jughead, are you through with your call? Uh-huh, my mother said I could stay. Well, that's fine. She said I could even have supper here. Supper here? Oh, for pity's sake. Gee whiz, Mom, what about getting some supper? Oh, I forgot all about it in the excitement of your father's bringing home this television set. Gee, you gotta get supper. I'm hungry. Now, Jughead, be quiet. Fred, I'll have to go get supper. All right, Mary, get supper, but I want to turn this set on. Gee, Mom, I got a good idea. Why don't you have a light supper, just a sandwich and some milk, and then we can eat right here and, and watch the television? Why, Archie, that's a fine idea. Yes, yes, it is, it is. Just just make us some ham sandwiches or something. All right, I'll bring them in when they're ready. All right, now, for Pete's sake, let's have no more interruptions. I want to watch this travelogue. Okay, Dad, turn the set back on. All right, I'll turn the lights out. Okay. Now, I'll turn the... Hey, what'd you do? Jug, I it's just... It's dark in here. Jug, I'm I... afraid of the dark. Jughead, please. I don't even sleep in the dark. Jug, we... It's too dark with the lights out. Jughead, will you please be quiet? Who, me? Yes, you. <laughs> we simply turned the lights out so we can watch the television better. Now, there's nothing to be afraid of. Archie and I are right here with you. When I get the set turned on, it won't be quite so dark. 
Well. Now, just be quiet and sit down. Okay, I'll sit right here. You jughead, you're sitting on me. Gee, I'm sorry. I couldn't see anything. Well, get off me and get on your own chair. Okay, okay. I'll sit over here. Uh, Jughead, you're sitting on me. Gee whiz, I'm sorry. Well, so am I, and get off me. Okay, okay. Well, where's my chair anyway? To your right a little. Oh, okay. Well, what was that? Jughead, what happened? Sat down on the chair you told me it was there, but it wasn't. Oh, great. Jug, a fine trick that was, Archie. Jug, you tell me there's a chair there, and when I lower my landing gear, no chair. Jug, I just You pull that chair out from under me, I bet. Jughead! Huh? Jughead, I did not pull any chair out from under you. You just missed the chair. It's right here. See? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I see it now. Okay. Now, for Pete's sake, sit down on it. And be quiet. Okay, okay. Now, I'll turn the set on. The River Ganges, some 1,500 miles long and three miles wide at the widest places, is the sacred river of India. It is the sacred uh, duty yes? of Hindus... Was that the door again? ...to wash I in the water. I heard it. She was dead. You better shut off the set again so we can tell. Archie, well, it may be something important. Oh, me. All right, Archie. As I'll result, turn it off again. It's... There, you see. I told you it wasn't the doorbell. I... Oh, fine. I guess it was the door. I'll get it, Dad, as soon as I turn this light on. There. I sure wish people wouldn't keep ringing that doorbell when we're watching television. Hello, Archie. Well, gee, hiya, Betty. Come on in. Well, thanks, Archie. Mother sent me over to return this salad bowl she borrowed from your mother. Oh, okay, Betty. I'll give it to her. But, Betty, guess what we got? What? A television set. A television set? Archie, you're kidding. No, I'm not. Come on in and see. It's Betty, Dad. Oh, hello, Betty. Hello, Mr. Andrews. Hello, Betty. Hi, Jug. What are you doing here? Watching television. Golly, you do have a new set, don't you, Archie? Yes, Betty. It's a pretty good set, too. When'd you get it? Well, Just we tonight. Got... Golly, does it work yet? We're watching yes, a travelogue. Jughead, whose set is this, mine or yours? I was just telling Betty about it for you. Well, it's my set, and I'll tell her myself. What's Archie, wrong with I... my tell her? Well, I want to tell her, and I don't think that you... Archie! Now, look. It so happens this is not Jughead's set or your set. It's my set, and I don't care who tells Betty about it. I want to watch it. You hear? Yes, Dad. Well, all right. Now, if Betty wants to watch it, she may. But I want all of you to sit down and be quiet. Okay, Dad. Pull up a chair, Betty. Well, all right, Archie, but I have to be home for supper soon. Have supper here. I am. Oh, fine. <laughs> Jughead, who asked oh, you... Golly, to... may I have supper here? Well, gee, I guess so, Betty. We're just having some sandwiches right here so we can watch the television at the same time. Oh, great. Archie, will you please be quiet? I want to turn the set on. Okay, Dad, okay, but I better tell Mom to make enough for Betty, too. Oh, fine. All right, Archie, tell here your mother... Here's the sandwiches and milk, dear. Mm-hmm. Oh, Betty, hello. Hello, Mrs. Andrews. Betty's staying for supper, Ma. What? Oh, that's fine, dear, fine But I, um, well, I'll have to take this tray back and make some more sandwiches Oh, golly, if you don't have enough, Mrs. Andrews Oh, no, I have enough, dear Uh, I just have to make them, that's all Oh, all right, Mrs. Andrews, if it's no trouble Well, Betty, it's all set now Thanks, Archie All right, now, do you kids mind if I turn the set on? Well, go ahead, Dad All right, now, turn the lights out Okay, Dad Now, I'll turn the set on I want to see the Ganges River Towering peaks of the Himalayas Greatest mountain range in the world. Oh, great. We missed the part about the river. The Himalayas extend approximately 2,000 miles along northern India 
Well, Betty, how do you like it? Oh, golly, Archie, that's awful. Yeah, awful. Awful? What's awful about it? Well, the glare is so strong. Glare? Uh-huh. Hey, you're supposed to wear sunglasses when you watch television. Sunglasses? Uh-huh. Then you can see the picture much better, and it's better for your eyes, too. Yeah. They wear sunglasses at Pinky Schultz's house. Gee whiz, Dad, turn the set off, and I'll run upstairs and get our sunglasses. Archie, I can see this picture perfectly well without glasses. But just try glasses, Mr. Andrews, and you'll see what a difference it makes. Yes, but Betty, I... It's much better. You don't want our eyes to go bad, do you? Oh, me. All right, Archie, I'll turn the set off again. I'll turn the lights on. Well, go ahead. Get sunglasses. But frankly, I could watch this program a lot better if you kids wouldn't give me so many bright suggestions on how to watch it. I think our sunglasses are right down here in this drawer. Yeah, here they are. Here are yours, Dad. Thank you. And you can wear my mother's, Betty. Oh, thanks, Archie. And I'll put mine on. What about me? You can just squint. <laughs> squint! Squint! Oh, you don't care about me! Jug-eye. I can go blind for Jug-eye. you! Yeah, it doesn't matter if the glad bothers Jug-eye. my heart! Head for Pete's sake, be quiet! Who, me? Yes, you! You can wear my glasses. Oh, golly, Mr. Andrews, what'll you wear? Betty, I did not want any sunglasses in the first place. The picture was absolutely fine the way it was, but I want to see it. You kids will only sit still and not keep making many bright suggestions. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Andrews. All right, all right. Now, turn the lights out, Archie. Okay, Dad. Now, I'll turn the set on. You know, those pictures of the Himalaya Mountains are interesting. Is the Bengal tiger the largest type of tiger found anywhere? Oh, great. We missed the part about the mountains. Gee, that's the first green tiger I ever saw. Jughead, that's because you're wearing colored glasses, and be quiet. The Bengal tiger generally hunts its food near water holes and small ponds, waiting for deer, antelope, wild hogs, and buffalo. Oh, I can see much better now, can't you, Archie? Yeah. Oh, fine. It cuts out all the glare. You ought to try them, Mr. Andrews. Here, try mine, Dad. Archie, I can't see a thing. Oh, great. If you kids like the sunglasses, wear them. If you don't like them, don't wear them. But I want to watch this travelogue. Do you hear? Okay, Dad, okay. Tigers have been known to kill 32,000 cattle in India in a single year. Here you see the natives now what? trap a The door again. What? I didn't Gold hear it. Oh, I did, Mr. Andrews. I did, too. Turn the set off, Dad. You'll see. Oh, me. All right, Archie. I'll turn it off. But so help me, if that bell doesn't stop ringing, I'm going to disconnect it and nail the door shut. There. It's off. And... See, Dad, it is the bell. Oh, me. Well, go answer it, Archie, and hurry up. Okay, Dad. I'll turn the light on. I sure wish we could watch that travelogue for just one minute. Boy... Hello, Archie. <laughs> oh, fine. Hi, y'all, Archiekin. <laughs> it's awful good to see y'all, Archie. Do you? <laughs> what on earth are you doing wearing? Glasses in the house. All of these? Well, I'm wearing them to watch television, Veronica. Television? Uh-huh. My goodness, do you have a television set? Yeah. Come on in and see it. All right, I'd love to. Oh, hello, Miss Strangers. Hello, Veronica. Hello, Betty. Oh, hello, Jackie. Hi, Veronica. My goodness, are you all watching television? Uh-huh. And we're all having supper here, too. You want some, Veronica? Oh, great. Jughead, 
Would you please quit inviting... Well, I'd love to. I don't have anything special to do anyway. Oh, me. Order another sandwich, Archie. Okay, Dad. Well, here are the sandwiches. Oh, Veronica. Hello, Mrs. Andrews. (laughs) Veronica's staying for supper, too, Mom. Staying for supper? But, Archie, I just finished making all the sandwiches. Well, couldn't you make just one more, Mom? Hmm? Oh, Oh, dear. All right. Take this tray back and make some more sandwiches. You can leave my sandwich here. Judd, be quiet. (laughs) Now, Veronica, will you please pull up a chair and sit down? This set has been off and on ten times in ten minutes, and I'm getting... My goodness, that's not a very large screen, is it? No, no, Veronica, I guess it isn't, The screen on our set's about twice that size. Yes, Veronica, We get a good large picture on our set. Veronica, I... I don't know how you can see anything on this set. Veronica, all right. I can't see anything on this set when it's turned off. Will you please sit down? All right, Mr. Andrews, I won't say another word. All right. Now, I'll just turn this... Oh, fine. Yes, Mom? I have so many sandwiches and so many glasses of milk now. I need someone to help me carry this tray in. Okay, Mom. Jughead, you go help, Mom. Me? Yes, Jug, you. I've been hopping up and down, answer the door every two minutes, and I want to see some of this travelogue. Gee whiz, okay. I'll go, but I don't know why. Well, now, if you have that settled, may I turn on this set? I want to see them capture that tiger. Oh, sure, Dad. I'll turn the lights on. All right. Now, I'll turn the set on. Known as the Island of Ceylon. Oh, fine. We missed the tigers. Gee, I I guess this is about how they grow tea. Ceylon is in the Indian Ocean, 60 miles southeast of Hindustan. Here comes the food. With an eye. Oh, great. Turn the lights on. Oh, no, you don't, Jug. You can pass the sandwiches out with the lights off. It's not that dark. Ceylon is famous for the world. Wait till I set this tray down someplace. What happened? I don't know, but I'm all wet. Gee whiz, I spilled a glass of milk. Right down my face. Oh, gee whiz. I'm all wet. Jughead spilled a glass of milk down Veronica's back. Oh, Fred, turn the set off. I am, I am. Archie, turn the lights on. I'm trying to, Dad. Oh, here it is. Oh, dear. Veronica's dress is sopping wet. I asked somebody to turn the lights on. Jughead, never mind whether you asked somebody to turn the light on or not. And Veronica, please stop that crying. Veronica, please. I... Veronica, I get... Veronica, I'm gonna go home in a wet dress and it's a brand new dress. Veronica, look, I'll buy you a new dress. You will? Oh, fine. <laughs> yes, I will. And you can go upstairs with my wife and she'll lend you one of her dresses to go home in. Oh, all right, Miss Strangers, that'll be fine. I hope my dresses fit you, Veronica. Well, we have that settled. Now, for Pete's sake, let's watch this program and eat your sandwiches and have no more trouble. Okay, Dad, okay. I'll turn the light out. And I'll turn the set on. Notice the extremely the sandwiches, primitive farming methods the sandwiches. I don't have them. Farmers. You don't? Betty, do you have them? No, I didn't even see them. Will you kids please be quiet? Well, gee, Dad, we're just looking for the sandwiches. Where did you put them? On your armchair. All right, I can find it. On my armchair. Oh, good grief, I'm sitting on them. Golly, oh boy. Mr. Andrews is hatching ham sandwiches. Turn the set off. I am, I am. Archie, turn the light off. I am, Dad. Fred, why on earth did you sit on a sandwich? Mary, I... I'm hungry. Just and we're I... missing the whole program. Archie, Those never mind. sandwiches are ruined. Betty, they I... didn't do your suit any good either. Yeah, now, and just I a minute, just one minute. This nonsense has gone far enough. Too far, in fact. Yes, Mr. Andrew. Yes, dear. Yes, Dad. And how? Judge, be quiet. 
Now, half hour ago, I wanted to settle down to a nice, comfortable evening in my armchair and watch television. But what happens? All of Archie's friends wind up here, invite themselves to supper, and keep interrupting my program. Jughead's afraid of the dark, and Betty wants sunglasses. Jughead spills milk all over Veronica, puts sandwiches on my chair. Now, I have stood all I'm going to stand. You kids can watch television if you want to. But from now on, I want you all to be absolutely stock still. I don't want to hear a word out of any of you. Not a peep. You understand? Yes, Mr. Andrews. And I, I, by George, am going to spend the rest of the evening enjoying this television set, starting right here and now. And so we conclude our telecasting for today. What? We'll be back on this same channel tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. Good night. Oh, no. I miss the only program they have on tonight. It's later that evening. Archie's friends have all gone home, and peace and quiet have returned to the household. Fred, I'm terribly sorry we had all that trouble, and you missed the only program we could see tonight. Now, Mary, look, it doesn't matter. In a few days, they'll hook up our aerial, and we'll be able to watch a lot of channels and see all the television we want. (laughs) But right now, if you don't mind, I'd rather forget the entire episode. I don't want to hear any more about television tonight. I don't blame you, dear. But, Fred, you better hurry and get dressed. Dressed? Dressed for what? We promised the Hendersons we'd come over tonight. The Hendersons? The the Hendersons? Mm -hmm. We did? Oh, Mary, that's fine. Why, there's nothing more I'd enjoy right now than a good game of bridge. Oh, Fred, I forgot to tell you. We're not going to play bridge. We're not... We're not? No. The Hendersons just got their set hooked up and they invited us to watch television. Oh, no! We've been listening to another chapter of The Adventures of Archie Andrews, written by Carl Jantel and based on the copyrighted feature appearing in Archie Comics Magazine. Archie was played by Bob Hastings, Jughead by Harlan Stone, Mom and Dad Andrews are played by Alice Sherman and Cliff Hall, Veronica and Betty by Gloria Mann and Rosemary Rice. The television voice was John McGovern. This program is produced and directed by Kenneth McGregor. This is Dick Dudley wishing you all a very pleasant weekend. So long! This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's the adventures of Archie Andrews from May 21st, 1949, with a new TV set starring Bob Hastings. Let's take a break, then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Time now for the story of Dr. Kildare. Let's go back to November 13th, 1954. David Cooper, burn victim, starring Lou Ayers. The story of Dr. Kildare. Whatsoever house I enter, there will I go for the benefit of the sick. And whatsoever things I see or hear concerning the life of men, I will keep silence thereon, counting such things to be held as sacred trusts. I will exercise my art solely for the cure of my faith. The story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. 
Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer brought you those famous motion pictures. Now this exciting, heartwarming series is heard on radio. Now the story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers as Dr. Kildare and Lionel Barrymore as Dr. Gillespie. Dr. Gillespie's office. Oh, this is Dr. Kildare, Parker. Is he in yet? Is he in yet? Well, I should say he is. Well, we've already had three fights. He called me an ancient flop-eared witch, and I've called him a rambunctious old hog collar. <laughs> I've been fired three times and hired back twice. <laughs> well, that means you're still fired, then. Oh, well, I'm technically unemployed, but he'll hire me back. Well, without me, he couldn't find his way around the office. Dr. Kildare, when I think of all I've done for that man and how ungrateful he is, I Doctor. can just... Oh. Oh, yeah, Dr. Gillespie, you sneaked up on me. I did indeed, and I got an earful, too. Ungrateful, am I? Oh, I was only joking. Of course Well, I... you're still fired, and I am not joking. Give me that phone. Hello, Jimmy. Good morning, Dr. Gillespie. I, I, uh, I wonder if you'd come up to floor seven, room 706. Something special going on up there? Cooper's been acting up, you know. I guess I'll have to take his bandages off today. Cooper? Oh, all right, Jimmy. I'll be right up. Thank you. Uh, Diana Verner's in there now, setting up a tray. Uh, refresh my memory, Jimmy, will you please? Uh, how long has Cooper been in here? Uh, two weeks. Oh. We've changed his bandages before, of course, but he's always been under anesthesia. When we take them off today, they'll stay off. Preparing him for the surgery to come, huh? Yeah. Uh, good. Are you administering morphine? A half grain. He's strong and in fair physical condition, considering all he's been through. Burns on his face pretty well healed. Good granulation tissue. Well, what are your observations on his mental attitude? Uh, it's not easy to say, definitely. He's been quiet, hasn't said much, but then they rarely do in these cases, you know. Uh, I suppose his family... Eh? No, no, they're not. He only has a wife, and when I telephoned, the maid said she'd gone to Boston for the weekend and wouldn't be back until this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we have a look at him? Yeah. Everything's ready, Dr. Kildare. Good. He's had a shot. Thanks, Diana. Morning, Dr. Gillespie. Uh, Diana. Uh, well, how do you feel today, Mr. Cooper? Like an animal trap. Well, in a way, you're lucky, Mr. Cooper. Really? Yeah, comparatively. You should have seen what people with severe burns had to go through as little as ten years ago. Scissors, Diana. Yes, Dr. Bandages change every day. Now, just hold still. Yeah. Great deal of surface infection and draining and pain. Can you sit up now? Sure. We've come a long way since then. What with sulfonamides and penicillin. <laughs> you kind of got in on the lucky days of science. <laughs> Sorry. I'll, I'll soak it loose. Here's the solution, Doctor. That's the first portion of the story of Dr. Kildare. We'll have the conclusion after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to the story of Dr. Kildare. Uh, say, I got... Um, I got it easy, huh? Well, no one with extensive burns has it easy. Yet it's better than it used to be by a thousand percent. 
Thanks for your kind lecture, Doctor, but I didn't take. <laughs> you guys are all the same. This'll only hurt a little, and then it tears the top of your head off. I'd appreciate it if you were a little more quiet, Mr. Cooper. If I was standing where you are, you were lying in this bed, I could tell you how easy it was and even believe it. <laughs> now, you have to stop moving your head, or I can't be responsible for hurting you. Just get it over with, that's all. I'm down to the last layer of gauze. I'll give it a thorough soaking. Nurse. Yes, Doctor. Now, just hold still for a minute, and it'll be all over. Go ahead. There. You can rest now. I commend you, Mr. Cooper. You did better than most men. Never mind the pep talk. Just turn your head, please. Uh, Very fine job. Very fine. Mr. Cooper, despite your antagonism, which is excusable from a man who's gone through your difficult medical experience... You should be grateful you've had a doctor of Kildare's competence. Give me a mirror or something so I can get a look at myself. Or perhaps we should wait until this afternoon when your wife can be here. My wife? That's a laugh. I want to look at myself now. Oh, Mr. Cooper, I, I advise against it at the moment. What's the matter? Am I so gruesome I'd scare myself? Of course not. It's just that burns, well, they do alter the skin surface somewhat, and I... I'd rather you tried to adjust yourself to it slowly. Something you're not telling me. Oh, don't put your hands to your face, please. It's my face, isn't it? Uh, or is it? Are you going to get me a mirror? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bring one up this afternoon when we've contacted your wife. And get she me can... a mirror now. Oh, sir, help me. I'll climb out of this bed and find one myself. All right. Diana, can you locate one? I think so, Doctor. Mr. Cooper... Uh, did you think your face would be completely unscarred? <laughs> After all, you can't crash land a burning airplane and then lie in the woods for a good many hours without medical attention and expect to come out of it looking like a matinee idol. <laughs> Someone was just telling me all about the great things modern science did, wasn't he? <laughs> I want to see for myself. But this is just the beginning. There's a lot of work yet to be done on you. Let me be the judge of that. Here's the mirror, Doctor. Thanks. Let me see it. All right, Mr. Cooper, but I have just one more thing to say. Now, remember, all we've done so far is to heal the wound. We haven't started any repair work at all. Reconstructive surgery can do a great deal for you. Let me see it. Here. Get out! Go on, get out, all of you. Now, Mr. Cooper, please. Did you hear me? Go on, get out, get out, get out. Good morning, Jimmy. Dr. Gillespie. Do you know that in the past two days I've counted more than six new worry lines in your face? If you're not careful, you'll end up by looking like me. Can't help it. I am worried. David Cooper. Yes, he won't talk with anyone, the nurses or myself. Refuses to see any visitors, won't allow the lights to be turned on in his room, and he eats practically nothing. Mm. I spent half the day yesterday with our plastic surgeon, you know, Dr. Sinclair, going over his case. 
Sinclair assures me that he could restore him almost completely to normal. Well, then go to the boy and tell him just that. He refuses to listen to anybody. Well, then give him a chance to think things over by himself. He'll come around. I wish I thought so. He's in a state of acute melancholia. They say there's a psychological lever that works for each individual case. The trouble is finding it. Do you have any ideas? Maybe. Suppose we, uh, suppose we go out to Long Island and see his wife. You know, she hasn't been to the hospital at all. Have you explained the situation to her? No, every time I've called, the maid says she's out. Well, a wife simply isn't out to her husband when he's sick and in trouble, unless there's a darn good reason. And if Mrs. Cooper's reason is good enough to keep her away from this hospital, I don't think we should go tampering with it. You're absolutely right, Dr. Gillespie, but I've got to treat my patient, and this may be the way to do it. Now, would you care to come? No, 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 sir. The days of sticking my nose in other people's lives are over. All right, Dr. G. I'll see you later. Ah, confound it. Handmade my hat and coat. What is it you want, gentlemen? Mrs. Cooper? Oh, I'm Dr. Kildare, and this is Dr. Gillespie. How do you do? How do you do? Didn't my maid explain to you that I was out? I'm afraid we had to insist. You see, Mrs. Cooper, your husband is in a serious mental state. He was shocked at the condition of his face. He refuses any help, and well, we thought you might be able to talk to him for us. David is quite old enough to take care of himself. <laughs> Illness makes children out of all of us, you know. Sure, you can't ignore your own husband at a time like this. I'm sorry for him. I'm as sorry as I can be that it happened. Hmm. But he did this to himself. Just like everything he's ever done. He does it. I just stand by and watch. And then when he needs me, he starts crying. This time, I'm not answering. But I think you're the only one who can do anything for him. Now, he needs someone to believe in him, to help him over the shock of what's happened. And if you love him, this is not too much for you to do. That's just it, Doctor. I don't love him. I did once, but not anymore. I'll tell you what's bothering David more than anything else in the world. He's lost his good looks. His looks were his life. He traded on them. He made money on them, and he broke hearts with them. Mine included. Maybe this will make a man of him. Oh, it won't make a man of him at all. No, it'll make a wreck of a man. Well, he asked for it. You know who was in that plane with him when he crashed. Mrs. Elaine Dobson, the showgirl widow. Hmm? I suppose he was selling real estate at 12,000 feet? Well, I'm the laughing stock of Long Island. <sighs> Mrs. Cooper, it's not my place to poke into your private marital life. But out of common humanity, couldn't you come down to the hospital and, and do something? No, Dr. Kildare, I could not. Do you mean to say that that is your final word? No, there's something else. I'm leaving for Reno. My lawyers are serving David with divorce papers today. Jimmy. Jimmy. Yes? Oh, I'm glad you got back to the hospital. What's wrong, Diane? It's David Cooper. He just tried to kill himself. Yes. Oh, Dr. Gillespie. I didn't know you were still here. Mm, yeah. You look prettier every day, Diana. Thank you. 
This is Mr. Cooper's chart. He's mm. resting quite comfortably. Oh, on. well, just leave it on the desk. I'll look at it later. All right. It wasn't your fault he tried to jump out of the window? That's what I've been telling him for an hour. He doesn't believe me either. Well, I'm going off duty now. Jimmy, if you want to talk or anything later on, I'll be home all evening. Thanks, sweetie. I'll call you. Well, we're lucky that that attendant stopped him. That Cooper didn't hurt himself. Not this time. You think he'll try it again? Maybe. Unless we can reason with him. He isn't an easy man to reason with. Simply doesn't want to accept life. But somehow I feel that a man who says he doesn't need help needs it the most. Mm. I'm going to give him all I can, whether he'll accept it or not. Does his wife know what's happened? I had Diana phone her house. The maid says she's taking the nine o'clock plane for Reno tonight. There's no way to get in touch with her before she goes. Well, that ends that. It would seem so, Dr. G. Oh, oh, what was that other woman's name? The one who was in the plane when Cooper crashed. Mean the showgirl widow? Yes. Uh, Elaine Dobson. That's right. Yes, it. Surely you're not thinking... Oh, yes, I am. I'm going to get her on the phone and bring her up here to talk to Cooper if I can. Uh, Apparently, she's the woman we should have looked for in the first place. Well, see here, Jimmy. I think you're carrying things too far. A man's private life belongs to himself. Maybe, but from what I've heard, the names of David Cooper and this other woman who was with him were all in the papers. I think that makes them rather public property. I'm not looking for scandal, Doctor. I'm... I'm looking for the key to this man's heart, so you'll want to live. Maybe it's Elaine Dobson, maybe it isn't. But I'm going to find out. I haven't made a blind date since I was in high school, Dr. Kildare. But I'm glad I made this one. Thank you. So you're David Cooper's doctor. How is he? Not very good right now, I'm afraid. Oh, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. I guess I was lucky. All I got out of that plane crash was sore feet walking around the mountains looking for help. Yes, I read all about that in the newspapers. Uh, you haven't been in to see him at the hospital, have you? No. Should I? We might appreciate a little visit from you. He didn't ask you to call me. What's on your mind, Doctor? Oh, Mr. Cooper Burns are very serious. All things considered, he's recovered very well up until a couple of days ago. But when he saw the damage done to his face, he became absolutely unapproachable. Today, he even attempted suicide. Oh, no. Uh, We expected an emotional shock, but this threw us, frankly. If someone he knows and loves could just spend some time with him, I, I know he'd listen to reason. And you read the papers, and you think I might be that someone? Yes, I do. Well? Got a light? Oh, sure. Thanks. Doctor, you've got a bum steer. There's nothing between David Cooper and myself. There's only one woman for him, and that's his wife, Jean. Well, I talked to her, and she said that... No matter what she said or he said, I know. Look, I saw him a lot. I'm sort of in the real estate business, too. But he was always business with me. And believe me, that means he was all business with every other woman. You don't sound like the kind of a person I was supposed to be talking with. You mean I don't sound like the other woman? (laughs) Well, I'm not the other woman, and no credit to me. That isn't quite the way I understood it. Oh, I'm in love with him, all right. I'd take that guy in a minute if I could get him, but I can't. Nobody can. She's got him, and she'll always have him. Mrs. Cooper's planning on divorcing him right now. I know, I heard about that. 
Even at that, she'll still have him. Know what I mean? Yes, I think so. But she doesn't know that. No, she's always been too busy with bridge clubs and cocktail parties to know he's been around loving her the way he does. Not that he's been a saint, but... I tried, Dr. Kildare. And I'm a girl who doesn't miss very often. No, I, I don't think you do, Mrs. Dobbin. Well, you were awfully decent to meet me and talk the way you have. I like you, Elaine Dobson. Thanks, Doctor. You're all right yourself. I wish I could help out. I'd give anything to be the one to go in that hospital room and talk to him. But I'm just not your girl. Maybe you can still help, though. Would you be willing to go to Mrs. Cooper and tell her what you've told me? Me? Go to her? That's a switch. Would you? Well, you stuck your neck out, and I'd be sticking my neck out, but if it'd help, yes. Good girl. Hello? Hello? Jimmy? Jimmy? Is that you? Yes, and I think we're getting somewhere. Elaine Dobson's the right one, huh? No, not exactly. I'll explain later. Right now, we've got to get out to the airport and stop Mrs. Cooper from getting on that 9 o'clock plane. Why, it's after 8 o'clock now. You can't possibly... We could make it if you'd help out. Look, do you think you could sort of, well, commandeer an ambulance? An ambulance? Are you... It'd get us through the traffic, yes. Doctor, this is important. I I think it'll save Cooper's life. An ambulance, huh? Yes. Well, that's what they're for. Stay where you are, Jimmy. I'll be there in five minutes. Can you get a driver? Driver? I'll drive it myself. Four minutes to nine. Phew, I hope we can find him. I'll wait here. You two go ahead. And good luck. Thanks. I'm with you, Jimmy. Where in tarnation? Flights 37 to Chicago, Salt Lake, Reno, San Francisco. Passengers will please board at gate 5. 37, that must be her flight. Jim, Jimmy, isn't that her walking up the ramp Where? there? Where? In the brown suit. Oh, that's her. Come on. Oh, Miss Cooper. Mrs. Cooper. We almost missed you. Uh, why, Dr. Kildare. Dr. Gillespie. So we got to talk to you. Well, I'm sorry, but I haven't time. My plane is just about to leave. Uh, you must listen to us. I can't, I tell you. Mrs. Cooper, when your husband received your divorce papers today, he tried to commit suicide. <gasps> oh, David. Oh, no. He seriously needs someone. Now, we're here to ask you to come back and help him. Oh, I, I want to, but, but David doesn't need me. There's someone else. I know. You mean Elaine Dobson, but you're wrong about that. Oh, Dr. Kildare, you just don't know anything about it. Oh, yes, I do, now. And Mrs. Dobson's waiting outside to talk to you, if you don't believe me. She's here? She came here to see me? Yes, just to tell you how much your husband does need you. Well, will you come with me? Will you come talk to her, Mrs. Cooper? Jimmy, we've been sitting in this ambulance for two hours now. I'm getting stiff. How long can two women spend over a cup of coffee? Long enough to get a lot of things straightened out, I hope. Well, I hope so, too. I didn't agree with you on your method of handling this case, but I... Oh, uh, someone's coming out of the lunchroom. It's Mrs. Cooper. I got my fingers crossed. 
I'm sorry we took so much time. We had a great many things to discuss. Oh, no, of course, of course. Mrs. Dobson, well, that is Elaine, took a taxi back to town. Huh. She said she'd call you later. I see. And you? Do you uh, want to wait for the next plane or go back to town? I'd like to go back to the hospital with you, Doctor. I'd like to see my husband. <laughs> Well, Mrs. Cooper? Doctor, David said that he'd like to talk to you for a moment. Oh, all right. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Oh, none of that. No, none of that. What? I've been so wrong about so many things. Oh, well, everybody makes mistakes, you know. <laughs> Misunderstanding seems to be the keynote in this day and age. All these years, I... I've been thinking that David was interested in other women. That he didn't love me. It's funny, isn't it? It took another woman to tell me the truth. And you know how much he really needs you. And how much you need him. Yes, Doctor. Thanks to you. And Dr. Kildare and Annie Lane Dobson. And you told him that just now? Yes. Nothing to cry about. Well, Mrs. Cooper, I have some good news for you, and for you too, Dr. Gillespie. Huh? Our patient wants Dr. Sinclair to start surgery as soon as possible. Oh, thank heaven. Thank heaven. You see, there's nothing to cry about now. Uh, wouldn't that be your opinion, Doctor? Exactly my opinion, Doctor. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, Dr. Carew. Yes, Dr. Crew. I know you're the head of this hospital. Yes. Well, I'll tell him as soon as he comes in. Dr. Gillespie, you're going to have to talk with him sometime. Well, I don't want to talk to him now. Just keep on telling him I'm out. What's all this business about you stealing an ambulance? Uh... All right, all right. You got yourself in trouble. You won't even tell me about it. I give up. I won't even try to help you. Ah, uh, you never helped me in your life. Oh. Screw. I'm out. Dr. Gillespie, don't you dare hide under that desk. Anybody home? Oh, Dr. Kildare, he's home, yes. Jimmy, Jimmy, come on in, come in. Quickly shut the door. He's gone insane, Dr. Kildare. Absolutely off his noodle. Ah, go on with you. I'm just wary of traitors who work on the inside. Jimmy Carew's all fired up about this ambulance. Well, I guess I'm guilty along with him. You, Dr. Kildare. It was in line of duty. I'll swear to it on a stack of lab reports. And in this case, it saved a man's life. Just the same as if we'd picked him up on an accident emergency call. All right. I'll cover for you. Uh, Dr. Carew calls again. I'll slip him an alibi. Well, now, Parker, that's nice of you. And in view of circumstances, you can forget that I fired you this morning. You wouldn't dare fire me. Mm-hmm. I know too much. Uh, well, maybe you're right at that. Dr. Kildare, how would you like a little golf this afternoon? Why, I'd be delighted, Dr. G. Uh, so would I. Now that we've got that one out of our systems, let's get to work on the next case. Uh-huh. 
have just heard the story of Dr. Kildare, starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. This program was written by E. Jack Newman and John Michael Hayes and directed by Joe Bigelow. Original music was composed and conducted by Walter Schumann. Supporting cast included Virginia Gregg, Georgia Ellis, Larry Dobkin, Yvonne Patey, and Isabel Jewell. Dick Joy speaking. And that's the story of Dr. Kildare from November 13, 1950 with David Cooper Byrne victim starring Lou Ayers and Lionel Barrymore. Also in the cast, Virginia Gregg, Georgia Ellis, and Lawrence Dobkin. That was syndicated by MGM. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, Lisa, good to see you. Yeah, thanks. Good to be yeah, here. She got here late, folks, so I had hey, to do the show without her. Not a chance. Yeah, she says she got stuck in traffic. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, next time we're going to tune in to a terrific episode of Suspense. Plus, it's part one of Duffy's Tavern. Are you going to be here for this? I don't think so. No? All right, we'll see you next time. <laughs> 